I am Ken. And I'm also D as well here. And this is Chris. <laughs> Hi. And Paris. And this is Paris. And welcome to whatever the fuck number episode this is for Terrible <laughs> we, we'll just, And we'll or just, Antiques Freaks. Let's do both of our intros at the exact same time. <laughs> yeah, just play them over each other. Just Cue up yearn. <sighs> All right. And today... Uh, we are back to our sort of our old haunt, right? Right, Ken? Our terrible antique book freaks. Yes. We are uh, freakily antiquing um, some uh, some Sherlock Holmes. Uh, you know, due to the, the clamoring of the masses after we ran out of the knack. No more Karnacki. So we went right to the source, right to the Holmes, the lock. After We're so today. many years of reading Sherlock Holmes knockoffs, we finally found a Sherlock Holmes story that is as bonkers as the knockoffs. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I would say this is actually worse than many Karnacki stories. That is intense, Ooh. D. That is intense. I know D is the one who found this in the mines. <laughs> yes, D is the one who went into the audiobook mines and found the Sherlock Holmes story and then immediately came home and demanded we read it on air. Uh, yeah, I literally, my whole process was, <laughs> I'm going to read Sherlock Holmes, but I work eight hours a day, but I have headphones, so I'm going to audiobooks, but I'm not going to pay for them. So I went on YouTube and it's like literally just the bad ones. <laughs> So I was like, I'm gonna wow. read all of that, the all of the stuff he wrote after he stopped wanting to write Sherlock Holmes. Wait, was so was he just doing this for a paycheck or like? What yes, was the deal? this we, is uh, Sherlock Holmes post getting killed off and then coming back again. Because oh. this story was originally published in the Strand magazine in March of 1923 when Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was really overwriting mysteries and way more into investigating the very real phenomenon of actual fairies. Oh my god, that's right, he was- Oh, I forgot about the fairies! God! Oh, that episode of Antiques Freaks is so good, listeners. If you haven't listened to- What was it, the Cottingly Fairies? What was it called? The Cottingly Fairy Hoax episode from Cotting- Antiques yes. Freaks. Cottingly Fairy Hoax. I mean- like Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was like, yes, I believe that these <laughs> clearly these pictures of fairies taped to popsicle sticks <laughs> clearly I, it's, real, it's, definitely it's got, fairy. <laughs> it can't be anything but real. Yeah. Listen, incredible. just because the children involved have an artistic bent and also one of them has a day job at a photography studio doesn't mean they could have possibly faked these photographs. No, There's nothing fake defi- about this. It's real as hell. Real. Wow, I forgot he was into that. Yeah, so I guess uh, because he was so obsessed with fairies being real, his writing really suffered for it, and we are going to read you what that suffering wrought this day. Yeah, the adventure enjoy. of the creeping man. Yes, the adventure, oh. <laughs> adventure of so the creeping much. man. We're already getting into the Karnacki area. <laughs> I mean, this is the Ur-Karnacki area. This is the original the spring from which yeah, all necks have carved. This is just a man who's creeping. This is going to be an easy one-and-done mystery. Funnily enough, this <laughs> Look, particular Sherlock Holmes story was published after the Karnacki stories were published. Oh my god, is this like an Ouroboros of fucking lock and necks? It's like, it's like a Sherlock sandwich where it starts with Sherlock and then there's a Karnak <laughs> in the middle and then it ends with Sherlock. Oof, I mean, I gotta say, The Adventure of the Creeping Man doesn't give me any sort of 
scary feeling. It just sounds like a, I don't know, a, like a sex offender in the bushes or something. It doesn't really. I mean, I find <laughs> and that you stumble, pretty scary. But... You stumble correctly into why I selected it for my first experience. <laughs> okay, well, I mean. I was like, it sounds like he found a prowler. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, okay, on a scale of like one to people in a fucking horse costume, like, where are we on the scale? We'll what find out. Hey, what's weird about for? a person in a horse costume? <laughs> I was going to ask, like, did you mean people, two people in a horse costume fucking, or just you add an expletive there for fun? No, I, no, I, I was about referencing, furries. yeah, it was, no, I was referencing <laughs> the Karnacki story where there was somebody in a horse costume. I know, I forgot that, and for a second I thought you were talking about two people in a horse costume oh. trying to have sex. Oh no, Chris but... forgot the invisible horse, Seems we have to re-record it. Chris, I can't believe that your brain is so desperate to escape that it's just erasing Karnacki memory. <laughs> I can't believe you guys are so desperate to find a logical explanation for the horse that was clearly invisible. Hey, that you I'm invented a man in a horse Karnacki costume. Tattooed onto my body. To remember like in Memento. Listeners, that did happen. It's got Memento disease. <laughs> yeah, that is real that is real shit. Don't question my Karnacki <laughs> faith. All right, well, Chris, uh, since you are the the uh, most sworn to the knack of us all, perhaps you can begin this tale. Uh, but before we start, uh, Ken, would you like to educate everyone on our general rules and how we proceed? Indeed, we'll be reading this Eye of Argon style, which means we will each take a turn reading until we either fuck up or crack up, at which point it passes to the next narrator. And heckling is strongly encouraged. Fantastic. Thank you, sir. All right, Chris, why don't you uh, get this uh, get this lock going? All right. Mr. Sherlock Holmes was always of opinion that I should publish the singular facts connected with Professor Presbury, if only to dispel once for all the ugly rumors which some 20 years ago agitated the university and were echoed in the learned societies of London. There were, however, certain obstacles in the way and the true history of this curious case remain entombed in the tin box which contains so many records of my friend's adventures. Now we have at last obtained permission to ventilate the facts. They're stinky, which <laughs> formed one of the very last cases handled by Holmes before his retirement from practice. Even now, a certain reticence and discretion have to be observed in laying the matter before the public. It was one Sunday evening early in September of the year 1903 that I received one of Holmes' laconic messages. Come at once if convenient. If inconvenient, come all the same. S.H. <laughs> Just get Very your ass good. here. <laughs> That's it. The relations between us in those latter days were peculiar. He was a man of habits, narrow and concentrated habits, and I had become one of them. He wished he could quit me. As an institution, I was like the violin, the shag what? tobacco, sorry, the old sir. black pipe, what? the index books, and other perhaps less excusable. I, I'm i sorry. Can we just think about that sentence first? What, as an institution, I was like the violin? Does anyone understand what is yes. being said uh, here? Sherlock Holmes, Holmes has flesh. Sherlock Holmes <laughs> requires certain things to help him think through problems, including... Playing the violin, smoking tobacco, looking up things in his index books, and uh, also doing cocaine. Okay. 
Although, who doesn't okay. love because I know Sherlock cocaine. Holmes readers are going to jump down my throat for this, he only does cocaine when he doesn't have a case because he needs something to occupy his brain. Wait, is shag tobacco coke? No. No. Shag tobacco is tobacco. Others perhaps less excusable. That's the cocaine. As in... Uh, I see, I see. All right, well, uh, now that now that I understand, continue. When it was a case of active work and a comrade was needed upon whose nerve he could place some reliance, my role was obvious. But apart from this, I had uses. I was a whetstone for his mind. I stimulated him. Oh, Indeed. I liked to think aloud in my mm. presence. His remarks could hardly be said to be made to me. Many of them would have been as appropriately addressed to his bedstead. But nonetheless, having formed the habit, it had become in some way helpful that I should register and interject. If I irritated him by a certain methodical slowness in my mentality, that irritation served only to make his own flame-like intuitions and impressions flash up the more vividly and swiftly. Such was my humble role in our alliance. When I arrived at Baker Street, I found him huddled up in his armchair with updrawn knees, his pipe in his mouth, and his brow furrowed with thought. It was clear that he was in the throes of some vexatious problem. With a wave of his hand, he indicated my old armchair, but otherwise, for half an hour, he gave no sign that he was aware of my presence. Then, with a start, he seemed to come from his reverie, and with his usual whimsical smile, he greeted me back to what had once been my home. "'You will excuse a certain abstraction of mind, my dear Watson,' said he. "'Some curious facts have been submitted to me within the last twenty-four hours, and they, in turn, have given risen to some speculations of a more general character. I have serious thoughts of writing a small monograph upon the use of dogs in work of the detective.' But surely, Holmes, this has been explored, said I. Bloodhounds, sleuthhounds. No, no, Watson, that side of the matter is, of course, obvious. But there is another which is far more subtle. You may, you may recollect that in the case which you, in your sensational way, coupled with the copper beeches, I was able, by watching the mind of the child, to form a deduction as to criminal habits of the very smug and respectable father. Yes, I remember it well. My line of thoughts about dogs is analogous. A dog reflects the family life. Whoever saw a frisky dog in a gloomy family, or a sad dog in a happy one. Snarling people have snarling dogs. Dangerous people have dangerous ones. And their passing moods may reflect the passing moods of others. Good God, this is so... Dead ass! This... There is such a thing as a sleuth hound. This is painful. Oof. Did you ever just, like, call your friend over to your house to tell him about how dope dogs are? Yes. Do Have you good. considered they're all good, Holmes? <laughs> I shook my head. Surely, Holmes, this is a little far-fetched, said I. He had refilled his pipe and resumed his seat, taking no notice of my comment. The practical application of what I have said is very close to the problem which I am investigating. It is a tangled skein, you understand, and I am looking for a loose end. One possible loose end lies in the question, why does Professor Presbury's wolfhound Roy endeavor to bite him? Uh, bad dog training habits in Victorian England? Because he's covered in ham. Next question. Yeah, Professor Presbury <laughs> is made of ham. That is the answer. Are we all not made of ham? I mean, no. human human ham, yeah. I'm made of jamon. Human. 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 I sank back in my chair in some disappointment. Was it for so trivial a question as this? That had been summoned from my work? Yes. yes. Holmes, Holmes <laughs> glanced across at me. The same old Watson, said he. You never learn that the gravest issues may depend upon the smallest things. 
but is it not on the face of it strange that a staid elderly philosopher, you've heard of Presbury, of course, the famous Camford physiologist, that such a man whose friend has been his devoted wolfhound should now have been twice attacked by his own dog? What do you make of it? The dog is ill. Sick. Well, that has to be considered. But he attacks no one else, nor does he apparently molest his master, save on very special occasions. Uh, uh, this sick dog huh? keeps molesting me. Yeah, Only on special weird. occasions. Admittedly, oh, yeah. he's extremely sick in a cool way, but this guy. I mean, <laughs> I mean like, he's got sunglasses and a backwards hat, and he can ride a skateboard, and he yeah. has a car. Like, Kick flips right into my grundle. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, which special occasions? What? I mean, that's what I'm like. It's is like there a birthday? Is there a timeline here? Is there like Pickle a time miss. of day, day of the week, anything? Yeah, it's, it's like the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah. Whitsunday. Yeah, when your hands smell like turkey and gravy. Yeah. Am Sunday. Humam Sunday. Curious, Watson. Very curious. But young Mr. Bennett is before his time if that is his ring. I don't know what that means. I had hoped to have a longer chat with you before he came. Yeah, wait, who the... Wait, what? Who the, oh, oh, I see. Mr. Bennett is ringing the bell. Okay, that was confusing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, who the fuck is Bennett in the ring? And then I looked at the picture and I was like, oh, I see a third person walking in the room. Thank you for clarification. There is a helpful picture and I still didn't get it. Well, it's not You're etching really. Etching a person walking into a room to join Holmes and Watson. Ah. There was a quick step to the stairs, a sharp tap at the door, and a moment later the new client presented himself. He was a tall, handsome youth, about 30, well-dressed and elegant, but with something in his bearing which suggested the shyness of the student rather than the self-possession of the man of the world. He shook hands with Holmes and then looked with some surprise at me. This matter is very delicate, Mr. Holmes, he said. Consider the relation in which I stand to Professor Presbury both privately and publicly. I really can hardly justify myself if I speak before any third person. Have no fear, Mr. Bennett. Dr. Watson is the very soul of discretion. I can assure you that this is a matter in which I am very likely to need an assistant. As you like, Mr. Holmes, you will, I am sure, understand my having some reserves in the matter. You will appreciate it, Watson, when I tell you that this gentleman, Mr. Trevor Bennett, is professional assistant to the great scientist, lives under his roof, and is engaged to his only daughter. Certainly we must agree that the professor has every claim upon his loyalty and devotion, but it may best be shown by taking the necessary steps to clear up the strange mystery. I hope so, Mr. Holmes. That is my one object. Does Dr. Watson know the situation? I have not had time to explain it. Then perhaps I had better go over the ground again before explaining some fresh developments. Hey, hang on a second. Can we, can we just pause for a moment? So you're telling me that this renowned detective... Is trying is trying to figure out why this psychologist dog has bit him twice. I just I don't understand why this is like <laughs> we gotta get Sherlock a on the thing case. that he needs to worry but about. Why about is this to suspicious? Explain it, Paris. I yeah I'm somehow I don't we have think reached the, the point of the narrative wherein <laughs> some of the mystery will be revealed enough to tantalize us into reading further. It, you aren't hooked already? You don't want to know more about the dog bite case? The mysterious dog bite ouchie? I mean, I like wolfhounds, so yeah, I guess <laughs> I'll stay. They're very good dogs. 
I will do so myself, said Holmes, in order to show that I have the events in their due order. The professor, Watson, is a man of European reputation. His life has been academic. There has never been a breadth of scandal. He is a widower with one daughter, Edith. He is, I gather, a man of very virile and positive, one might say combative, character. So the matter stood until a very few months ago. One might almost say combative. Then the current of his life was broken. He is 61 years of age, but he became engaged to the daughter of Professor Murphy, his colleague. Professor Morphy? Mighty oh my Morphius. Oh my it's god, it does say Morphe. <laughs> Professor Morbius. That's, I'm sorry, that's a, that's, that's a trip up right there. because <laughs> My brain was like, it can't be Morphe. That's stupid. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was like, uh-oh, uh-oh, he's going to say so Murphy. So this was also my, my eyesight here in which like I can't, I, I have the thing up on my screen, but unless I zoom in really hard, it's kind of hard for me to get every letter correct. And it does say Morphe. It's okay. <laughs> Morphe. I only... I only pointed it out because it was hilarious, not not to make you feel bad. I mean, no, someone would have had to said Morphe later, so. <laughs> it's Morphin time. All right. It's Morphin time. It is Morphin time. All right. Well, it's one of the Antiques Freaks now. Oh, yeah. You're up. You or me. Oh, I'll go. Oh, I'm sorry. I had my, my window closed out and I had to reopen it. Where are we? Maybe I'll just go. <laughs> 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 <What>? <laughs> Oh, uh, we're at um his colleague in the chair of compartment. Okay. We are at then the current of his life was broken. Then the current of his life was broken. He is 61 years of age, but he became engaged to the daughter of Professor Morbius, his colleague <laughs> in the chair of comparative anatomy. It was not, as I understand, the reasoned courting of an elderly man, but rather the passionate frenzy of youth, for no one could have shown himself a more devoted lover. Why do you know Bro, that? This is why gross. do you know? Yeah, why do you know like, about that? I don't like. <laughs> I don't like any part of that. The lady Alice Morphy was a very perfect girl, both in mind and body, so that there was every excuse for the professor's infatuation. None the less, it did not meet with full approval in his own family. We thought it rather excessive," said our visitor. Exactly. Excessive and a little violent and unnatural. What? Professor Presbury was rich, however. I don't understand how... I think they're pissed that off that Dad's down bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's a devoted lover, and, like, they're super happy, but it was violent and unnatural? I Like, which one is it, yo? Like, it, please. They just don't like to... I think they don't like to see their elderly father down bad. I mean... They're like, man, no. no man this age should be down bad this hard. Holy shit. <laughs> the elderly's still gonna get it, you know? Oh my god, he's twerking it. on the wall, everybody. Come on, please, help. <laughs> this is fine. Professor Morbius, no! <sighs> Professor Presbury was rich, however, and there was no objection upon the part of the father. The daughter, however, had other views, and there were already several candidates for her hand, who, if they were less eligible from a worldly point of view, were at least more of an age. <laughs> The girl seemed to like the professor in spite of his eccentricities. It was only age which stood in the way. About this time, a little mystery suddenly clouded the normal routine of the professor's life. He did what he had never done before. Slept with men. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Uh, he left home and gave no indication where he was going. 
Oh, man, you ever fall in love with a bitch and then just leave your whole town? Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Kind of. I get it. I also just don't understand how he's every was, like... pop punk band ever. <laughs> I don't know. I'm still confused about how he could be a devoted lover if the daughter is like kind of fine with him, but like not super stoked. I don't know. This is just not really painting a cohesive picture. They really should have left it at he was rich. I think. It not being a cohesive picture is part of the mystery. Because everyone is baffled as to why any of this relationship is happening. He left home and gave no indication where he was going. He was away a fortnight, and he did the fortnight dance and returned, looking rather travel-worn. And, and he made on everybody. <laughs> he did the L dance. He made no allusion to where he had been. Although he was usually the frankest of men, despite being named Professor Presbury. <laughs> yes, Professor's his first name. That's everyone knows that. When you become a professor, <laughs> they change your first name to Professor. Yes. Yeah, it's Professor. It chanced, however, that our client here, Mr. Bennett, received a letter from a fellow student in Prague. Yes, that's all one word here. Hello, who students. said that he was glad to have seen Professor Presbury there, although he had not been able to talk to him. <laughs> Which is Creepy on the student's part. Yeah, it's weird that he's like, hey, I saw him from afar, actually. Yeah, I was watching him the whole time. a whole ass letter to you about it, too, in the 1800s. Yeah, it was so fucking sick when I looked at him. Anyway. It's just a 19th century misconnections. It's literally just a student going He was in the other bushes, and I thought, have you seen him? Let him know. I saw Presbury. He was looking fucking tight. Friends? No, I don't know him. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed enjoyed this letter. (laughs) 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 Only in this way did his own household learn where he had been. (laughs) It's really funny. (laughs) Shit. I can't deal with the idea that someone sent his family a letter saying, like, fucking tight. Uh, anyway, bye. <laughs> you know, I gotta say, I did not think Yo, this Yo, where's that hottie guy? Uh, man, he looks good. I did not think man, this he, was I would love to meet him someday. Me. <laughs> like, <laughs> imagine how terrified you would be if you got a letter like that. Like, Bro, I saw your mom downtown. <laughs> anyway, what's her first name? Like, <laughs> 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 oh, boy. <laughs> like, and also that that was sticking to your mind enough that you would be like, yeah, let me, like, find his fucking family address and write a whole ass letter about yeah. it and pay to mail it in, like, 1903 <laughs> Yeah, how did they whatever. get the address? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> It's terrifying. Were they not already acquainted with the family and just didn't have the opportunity to say hello to him in the street? Is I think what they were implying? Maybe. Did not make that clear enough. (sighs) All right. Well, I guess, Dee, since you've been thwarted by this this stalking letter, I, I will continue. Now comes the point. From that time onward, a curious change came over the professor. He became furtive and sly. Sh- <laughs> I already sh- fucked up. I already sly instead of sly. Sly is a little mongoose. I made it three <laughs> half sentences. <laughs> well, I I don't know why I looked at sly and went sly. <laughs> you threw so the game, didn't you, Paris? Oh, I'm so sorry.
Now comes the point. From that time onward, a curious change came over the professor. He became furtive and sly. Those around him had always the feeling that he was not the man that they had known, but that he was under some shadow which had darkened his higher qualities. His intellect was not affected. His lectures were as brilliant as ever. But always there was something new, something sinister and unexpected. His daughter, who was devoted to him, tried again and again to resume the old relations and to penetrate this mask which her father seemed to have put on. You, sir, as I understand, did the same, but all was in vain. And now, Mr. Bennet, tell in your own words the incident of the letters. You must understand, Dr. Watson, that the professor had no secrets from me. If I were his son or his younger brother, I could not have more completely enjoyed his confidence. As his secretary, I handled every paper which came to him, and I opened and subdivided his letters. Shortly after his return, all this was changed. He told me that certain letters might come to him from London, which would be marked by a cross under the stamp. These were to be set aside for his own eyes only. I may say that several of these did pass through my hands, that they had the E.C. mark and were in illiterate handwriting. A what? Illiterate handwriting? How does one get illiterate handwriting? That's well, a great and- question, yeah. I'm also confused by, he said that they had a cross under the stamp, but then he says the EC mark? What? I don't know. Okay. The extra cool mark, that's what the cross is. Yeah, fucking, yeah. Only for extra cool guys. Extra cool mark. If he answered them at all, the answers did not pass through my hands, nor into the letter basket in which our correspondence was collected. And the box, said Holmes. Ah, yes, the box. The professor brought back a little wooden box from his travels. It was the one thing which suggested a continental tour, for it was one of those quaint carved things which one associates with Germany. This he placed in his instrument cupboard. Only things, only Germany makes quaint carved things. I'm assuming it's a cuckoo clock. That's it. (laughs) One day, in looking for a canula, I took up the box. To my surprise, he was very angry and reproved me in words which were quite savage for my curiosity. It was the Put first the fucking time- box down. Put that fucking. <laughs> you want to fuck no, your wife, you little cuckold? Put the there. box Please. down. <laughs> <laughs> little piece of shit. Put it down. <laughs> Wait, dude. Why was he looking for a cannula? Is it? Can- I thought it was a cannula. A cannula? Is it- why was- I don't know what, what it is, is at all. What is, what, well, is, is that like a, like, a vampire can? No, it's like a catheter, right? Isn't that a catheter? What? I, well, yeah. <laughs> Paris, he's not just walking around the house like, where's the catheters? No, I, I swear I know to they're God. in here somewhere. With two I, ends, it's a catheter. Where's your catheter drawer? <laughs> oh, maybe. With that's, one end, oh. it is also a catheter. Yeah. A tube so what that can fuck? be inserted. In, okay, it's not just a catheter. It's a tube that can be inserted into the body. So maybe he just needed a catheter. Oh, they know. needed it to do the coke! Because it says it can go in the oh, nose. Oh, to snort the that's... coke. Yeah, Nash, Nash. The professor's not doing cocaine. Sherlock's doing cocaine. Uh, then... Everyone's I... doing cocaine. That's true. I mean, it, it's not like he was, like... I know he he was just a psychiatrist, right? He wasn't, like, a... Like, a body... Like, a physician. A body doctor. He's a body... Oh, he's a body doctor. I was doctor. trying to say. Um... That's weird. What was that? What's that about? No explanation. Okay. All right. It was the first time such a thing had happened, and I was deeply hurt. 
I endeavored to explain that it was a mere accident that I had touched the box, but all the evening I was conscious that he looked at me harshly and that the incident was rankling in his mind. Mr. Bennett drew a little diary book from his pocket. That was on July 2nd, said he. <laughs> was that the, was the diary entry like July 2nd? Man, he really fucking flipped out at me today. <laughs> I July 2nd. I got yelled at. I got oh. yelled at. I was just I looking for like the it. catheter drawer and he yelled <laughs> at me. And... <laughs> he yelled at me. <laughs> you are certainly an admirable witness, said Holmes. I may need some of these dates which you have noted. I learned method, among other things, from my <laughs> great teacher. I have done problems. I have done method learn. Dark past. From the time that I observed abnormality in his behavior, I felt that it was my duty to study his case. Thus I have it here that it was on that very day, July 2D, that Roy attacked the professor <laughs> as he came from his study into the hall. A Roy Again, is the wolfhound, I assume. Again, on July 11th, there was a <laughs> Roy, scene of that Roy's same just sort. just a guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like, <laughs> gonna guess that's the dog? Roy they went totally his name fucking was Roy ape shit on his ass. <laughs> and then I have a note of yet another upon July 20th. After that, we had to banish Roy to the stables. He was a dear, affectionate animal, but I fear I weary you. Banished! Mr. Bennett spoke in a tone of reproach, for it was very clear that Holmes was not listening. His face was rigid, and his eyes gazed abstractedly at the ceiling. With an effort, Based he recovered Holmes. himself. Singular, most singular, he murmured. These details were new to me, Mr. Bennett. I think we have now fairly gone over the old ground, have we not? But you spoke of some fresh developments. The pleasant, open face of our visitor clouded over, shadowed by some grim remembrance. What I speak of occurred the night before last, said he. I was lying awake about two in the morning when I was aware of a dull, muffled sound coming from the passage. I opened my door and peeped out. I should explain that the professor sleeps at the end of the passage. The date being, said Holmes. Nope, asked Holmes. Fuck. Well. Nope, oh, back to you. Well. Okay. Back to you in the studio, Chris. I know, I'm, I'm just getting myself ready here. Back to Chris in our Dorchester studio up. with the Victorian weather. The date being, asked Holmes, our visitor was clearly annoyed at so irrever irrelevant an interruption. I have said, sir, that it was the night before last, that is, September 4th. Holmes nodded and smiled. Pray continue, said he. He sleeps at the end of the passage and would have to pass my door in order to reach the staircase. It was a really terrifying experience, Mr. Holmes. I think that I am as strong-nerved as my neighbors, but I was shaken by what I saw. The passage was dark, save that one window halfway along it through a patch of light. I could see that something was coming along the passage, something dark and crouching. Then suddenly it emerged into the light, and I saw that it was he. He was crawling, Mr. Holmes crawling and making pig noises he was not quite on his hands <laughs> oh, and no. knees i should rather say on his hands and feet with his face sunk between uh, his hands okay yet he seemed to move with ease i was so paralyzed by the sight that it was not until he had reached my door that i was able to step forward and ask if i could assist him his answer was extraordinary he said, fuck you, no. He sprang up, <laughs> spat out some atrocious word at me, fuck you, no, and hurried on past me and down the staircase. I, what is the atrocious word? Now I've got, Piss. like, 
I don't know what would like, be an atrocious like, Victorian swear. I'm not sure. Said like, bastard. Bitch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I waited about for an hour, but he did not come back. It must have been daylight before he regained his room. Well, Watson, what make you of that? Asked Holmes with the air of the pathologist who presents a rare specimen. Lumbago, possibly. I have known a severe attack make a man walk in just such a way, and nothing would be more trying to the temper. What is what is lumbago? Does anyone know? It is a lower back pain. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, lumbar. It, it was like, it, yeah, it was like a made up like disease. It, it could have so that it's like it's kind of like saying someone had the dropsy, where it could have been like ninety-seven different oh, things. I see. But it was yeah. like I think most frequently related to like hip and back arthritis. Correct. Ah, yes. okay. Thank you. Thank you. Good, Watson. You always keep us flat-footed on the ground, but we can hardly accept lumbago since he was able to stand erect in a moment. He was never in better health, said Bennett. In fact, he is stronger than I have known him for years. But they are the facts, Mr. Holmes. It is not a case in which we can consult the police, because they would laugh at us and say, so what? And yet we are utterly at our wit's end as <laughs> to like, what to do. Sorry that your, guy, sorry that your friend <laughs> ran up to you and called you a bitch and, and scampered away on all fours. Like, what do you want us to do about it? It's not, it's not fucking illegal to not Please, like you, sir. Please, Mr. Policeman, help me. <laughs> He yelled at me <laughs> twice. <laughs> and we feel in some strange way that we are drifting towards disaster. Edith, Miss Presbury feels as I do that we cannot wait passively any longer. Jesus, let the dude run around on all fours. <laughs> yeah, like, why is this such a good deal? He's fucking having an emotional breakdown because the man's a scampering. Yeah, like, it's kind of <laughs> weird, but, like, I wouldn't go calling a detective about it. Like, this is just a lot. Like if you like, I I love the idea that like if I was visiting Ken and he saw me do the thing that I sometimes do when I go up the stairs on all fours, and he's and he's like shaking and sweating and he's like, officer, please, <laughs> <laughs> help me. Or he's like, this mystery. Ken, I think like, your friend is just stupid. I believe you have a stupid <laughs> friend. Fucking scampering! I swear to God. <laughs> or Ken, Ken's like, I have to call Paris and Chris. They have to get them on this case. What? Yeah, come on, we gotta get. We need help. It is certainly a very curious and suggestive case. What do you think, Watson? Speaking as a medical man, said I, it appears to be a case for an alienist. The uh, oh, early yeah, psychologist. Like, it's like a therapist? Wait, what's an alien? A therapist? Or what was that, Ken? An early psychologist. Before psychology was a real thing. The old gentleman's cerebral processes were disturbed by the love affair. He made a journey abroad in the hope of breaking himself of the passion. His letters in the box may be connected with some other private transaction, a loan perhaps, or share certificates which are in the box. That doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> and the wolfhound no doubt disapproved of the financial bargain. No, no, Watson, <laughs> there is more in it than this. Now I can only suggest... What Sherlock Holmes was about to suggest will never be known, for at this moment the door opened and a young lady was shown into the room. As she appeared, Mr. Bennett sprang up with a cry and ran forward with his hands out to meet those which she had herself outstretched. Edith, dear, nothing the matter, I hope. I felt I must follow you. Oh, Jack, I have been so dreadfully frightened. He was walking around on all fours again. It is awful to be there alone. <laughs> 
Mr. Holmes, this is the young lady I spoke of. This is my fiancé. We were gradually coming to that conclusion, were we not, Watson? Holmes answered with a smile. I take it, Miss Presbury, that there is some fresh development in the case and that you thought we should know? Our new visitor, a bright, handsome girl of a conventional English type, smiled back at Holmes as she seated herself beside Mr. Bennett. Wow, love these rich descriptions of characters. Just, just so yeah. good. She's, well, she sure was She was British. wicked normie. Next. Yeah. She was regular. Next. <laughs> when I found Mr. Bennett had left his hotel, I thought I should probably find him here. Of course, he had told me that he would consult you, but, oh, Mr. Holmes, can you do nothing for my poor father? I have hopes, Miss Presbury, but the case is still obscure. Perhaps what you have to say may throw some fresh light upon it. It was last night, Mr. Holmes. He had been very strange all day. I am sure that there are times when he has no recollection of what he does. He lives in a strange dream. Yesterday was such a day. It was not my father with whom I lived. His outward shell was there, but it was not really he. Tell me what happened. I was awakened in the night by the dog barking most furiously. Poor Roy, he is chained now near the stable. I may say that I always sleep with my door locked, for as Jack, as Mr. Bennett, will tell you, we all have a feeling of impending danger. My room is on the second floor. It happened that the blind was up in my window, and there was a bright moonlight outside. As I lay with my eyes fixed upon the square of light, listening to the frenzied barkings of the dog, I was amazed to see my father's face looking in at me. Was he on a ladder <laughs> is my first question. Genuinely very scary to picture. Yeah, it is pretty terrifying. I would not. I, I'm on the yeah. I'm on the second floor right now, and I, I just glanced at my window and tried to imagine like, what if I, my dad was just glaring at me? <laughs> yeah, I would not be so. I'd freak the fuck out. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty unfortunate. I would not want that. That's that's the real horror of, of this is just thinking about your dad watching you through a window he shouldn't be able to get to. <laughs> Mr. Holmes, I nearly died of surprise and horror. There it was pressed against the window pane, and one hand seemed to be raised as if to push up the window. If that window had opened, I think I should have gone mad. It was no delusion, Mr. Holmes. Don't deceive yourself it's by thinking so. your dad. So. Chill out. It's like, let me it's in. I got father. locked out. The front door is locked. Yeah, I probably lost my relax. keys. <laughs> I dare say it was 20 seconds or so that I lay paralyzed and watching the face. Open the fucking door. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> then That's it why vanished. he keeps yelling bitch at everyone. <laughs> <laughs> then it vanished, but I could not, I could not spring out of bed and look out after it. I lay cold and shivering till morning. At breakfast, he was sharp and fierce in manner. Why didn't you open the door? <laughs> and made no allusion to the adventure of the night. Neither did he, but I gave an excuse for coming to town, and here I am. Holmes looked thoroughly surprised at Miss Presbury's narrative. Just let him in. My dear young lady, you say that your room is on the second floor. Is there a long ladder in the garden? Right. No, First Mr. Question. Holmes. No, I didn't. Is... No, I didn't even think of that. I went to a detective and I didn't even look for a ladder. <laughs> Shut oh, up, Holmes. Oh, the ladder. Oh, it's the ladder. <laughs> I mean, that was my first question. Do wow, you you're so brilliant, ladder? Mr. Holmes. <laughs> it's what a fucking genius. <laughs> No, Mr. Holmes, that is the amazing part of it. There is no possible way of reaching the window. Wait. And yet he, 
I'm pretty sure ladders exist, and they could reach the window. There's I don't gotta know. Be a ladder. There's no ladder here, so there's no ladder anywhere. There's no ladder. No ladders. ladders are fake as fuck. Mm. Ladders are a government Welcome conspiracy. And yet he was there. The date being September 5th, said Holmes. That certainly complicates matters. It was the young lady's turn to look surprised. This is the second time that you have alluded to the date, Mr. Holmes, said Bennett. Is it possible that it has any bearing upon the case? It is possible, very possible, and yet I have not my full material at present. Possibly you are thinking of the connection between insanity and phases of the moon. <laughs> no, I assure you, yeah. it was quite different line of thought. What are you, stupid? The moon? Get out of here. <laughs> stupid bitch, you idiot. <laughs> you dumb shit. God, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly you can leave your notebook with me, and I will check the dates. Now I think, Watson, that our line of action is perfectly clear. This young lady has informed us, and I have the greatest confidence in her intuition that her father remembers little or nothing which occurs upon certain dates. We will therefore call upon him as if he had given us an appointment made upon such a date. He will put it down to his own lack of memory. Thus we will open our campaign by having a good close view of him. That is excellent, said Mr. Bennett. I warn you, however, that the professor is irascible and violent at times. Holmes smiled. There are reasons why we should come at once. Very cogent reasons if my theories hold good. Tomorrow, Mr. Bennett, will certainly see us in Camford. There is, if I remember right, an inn called the Checkers, which the port... Uh, where the port? <laughs> Whoops. Well, there's a rallies, too. We'll get some delicious burgers. The Dave and the Busters. <laughs> Hey man, I like I like I like Dave yeah. and Buster's when it's not full of people. I I like I like playing ski ball. It, it, I'm sorry. Never said you should. <laughs> I'll see myself. I now. just said that Holmes and Watson would be psyched to have a Dave and Buster's. That's all. No, Dave and Buster's fucking rules. They got that Lost World game. Oh, so cool. I really I really didn't think I was gonna like it because I was like, well, it's like a place where like regular people go. And then I went and I was like, oh, it's actually fun. I I don't know why I thought <laughs> the, the way, games would be the bad. The way you said that. <laughs> This I is a place for normies. normies. I'm not going to I'd... David Buster's. Well, I mean, I guess because, like, I don't know, all the commercials made it look really bad. But then one of my friends took me once when it was, like, half price games night. And I was like, oh, this is also worth it at half price. I wouldn't go at full price. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the commercials do make it look like an adult, like, Chuck E. Cheese. It's, yeah, I mean, it kind which of it's, is... it's better than, it's kind of that, but it's, like, cleaner for one. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and they, they have some banger games. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, so my advertisement here for Dave and Buster's worth the half price night. Not the <laughs> yeah, price. hey Dave and Buster's, we're gonna be we're gonna be editing this right the fuck out if you don't give us some dosh, alright? <laughs> Come on. Yeah, it's gonna be on like the Dave and Buster coins or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shit, I'd be down. Uh sorry, let's see. <clears throat> Tomorrow, Mr. Bennett, will certainly see us in Camford. There is, if I remember right, an inn called the Checkers, where the port used to be above mediocrity, and the linen was above reproach. <laughs> I think, okay. Watson, wow. that our- <laughs> Nobody review. cummed in it. Right, <laughs> count on those sheets. <laughs> Egyptian cotton. Mm. I think, Watson, that our lot for the next few days might lie in less pleasant places. Monday morning found us 
On our way to the famous university town, an easy effort on the part of Holmes, who had no roots to pull up, but one which involved frantic planning and hurrying on my part, as my practice was by this time not inconsiderable. Holmes made no allusion to the case until after we had deposited our suitcases at the ancient hostel of which he had spoken. I think, Watson, that we can catch the professor just before lunch. He lectures at eleven and should have an interval at home. What possible excuse have we for calling? Holmes glanced at his notebook. There was a period of excitement upon August 26th. We will assume that he is a little hazy as to what he does at such times. If we insist that we are there by appointment, I think he will hardly venture to contradict us. Have you the effrontery necessary to put it through? Easy, Watson. We'll lie. <laughs> <laughs> we can but try. Excellent, Watson. Compound of the Busy Bee and Excelsior. What the fuck does that mean? We what? I, in There is no context given for why he said that at that moment. He's okay, just a big right. Spider-Man fan. <laughs> we can but try the motto of the firm. A friendly native will surely guide us. Oh, he's having a stroke. What the fuck? Uh, all right, well, do we... All right, Compound of the Busy Bee and Excelsior. Do we... Is this like... A compound, like they're gonna mix up some weird powders like called Busy Bee and Excelsior. Like, is this is this an intersection of two streets? Like the compound, like Busy Bee Road and like Excelsior <laughs> Street. <laughs> what is this? Hold on, I'm googling it. All right, the internet. Let's see, tell us. Okay, nope. It's just it, it is literally referenced as Sherlock's motto in the Creeping Man. Uh, what does that very, even mean? Very good. He made this part up. Fantastic. Ah, yes. The motto, compound of the busy bee and excelsior. I Everyone mean... will know what I mean by that. Anyway, back to these fairies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That's what was happening. He was, like, researching fairy shit, and he was like, all right, I just got to gotta fill word count. Let's just put some nonsense in here. Uh, compound I need to, get, I need to, I need to hit me up. Bee. I need to hit up some of that fairy dust. <laughs> <laughs> what would be a compound of the busy bee and excelsior would it be like i don't know like drugs or would it be some kind of herbal it's like thing when you pour five hour energy into honey yeah that's, that's, that sounds right <laughs> that actually sounds like uh the truth i think i'm gonna go with that <laughs> busy bee such excelsior. a one <laughs> Such a one on the back of a smart handsome swept us past a row of ancient colleges <laughs> okay. and, finally turning into a tree-lined drive, pulled up at the door of a charming house, girt round with lawns and <laughs> covered with purple wisteria. Several misspellings. Yeah, this is, this is intense. Um, I don't know what it means to be girt round. Girt, girt, like like a uh, girdled, like, like girded, yeah, yeah, like gird, girded, surrounded, girded. as if by girt. a girdle. Professor Presbury was certainly surrounded with every sign, not only of comfort but of luxury. Even as we pulled up, a grizzled head appeared at the front window, and we were aware of a pair of keen eyes from under shaggy brows, which surveyed us through large horn glasses. I was really unsure if it was the dog or the man at that point. <laughs> yeah, they put glasses on the dog. That's fine. A moment later, we were actually in his sanctum, and the mysterious scientist, 
whose vagaries had brought us from London, was standing before us. There was certainly no sign of eccentricity either in his manner or appearance, for he was a portly, large-featured man, grave, tall, and frock-coated, with the dignity of bearing which a lecturer needs. His eyes were his most remarkable feature, keen, observant, and clever to the verge of cunning. He looked at our cards. Pray, sit down, gentlemen. What can I do for you? Mr. Holmes smiled amiably. It was the question which I was about to put to you, Professor. To me, sir. Possibly there is some mistake. I heard through a second person that Professor Preesbury of Camford had need of my services. Oh, indeed. It seemed to me there was a malicious sparkle in the intense gray eyes. You heard that, did you? May I ask the name of your informant? I am sorry, Professor, but the matter was rather confidential. If I had made a mistake, there is no harm done. I can only express my regret. Not at all. I should wish to go further into this matter. It interests me. Have you any scrap of writing, any letter or telegram to bear out your assertion? No, I have not. I presume that you do not go so far as to assert that I summoned you? I would rather answer no questions, said Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I plead the fifth. That doesn't exist yet or here, but I plead the fifth. No, I dare say not, said the professor with asperity. However, that particular one can be answered very easily without your aid. He walked across the room to the bell. Our London friend, Mr. Bennett, answered the call. Come in, Mr. Bennett. This two gentlemen have come from London under the impression that they have been summoned. You handle all my correspondence. Have you a note of anything going to a person named Holmes? No, sir, Bennett answered with a flush. That is conclusive, said the professor, glaring angrily at the... <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> angrily. <laughs> Okay, before we move on to the to Paris here, am I to understand that Holmes' whole plan was to go in here and say, yeah, you you called for us, and that's as far as he got? Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah he, he was like, this guy's, he, got his, <laughs> he got to the point where he was like, this guy's fucked up as hell. And, <laughs> and then he walked in and he was just fucked up in a different way than he was expecting. Okay, just wanted to make sure that Holmes didn't think, like, four steps ahead like he's supposed to, I thought. All right, whatever. No, this is, I mean, this is lazy Sherlock Holmes, which is like... <laughs> it's like, let's just go over there. I don't know. We'll just show up. Just, just lie and it'll be fine. Something'll happen. I don't know. We'll so, see. That's the worst that'll happen. <laughs> you know. Oh. Ahem. That is conclusive, said the professor, glaring angrily at my companion. Now, sir, he leaned forward with his two hands upon the table. It seems to me that your position is a very questionable one. Holmes shrugged his shoulders. <laughs> Whatever, man. I can only repeat <laughs> I that care. I am sorry that we have made a needless intrusion. Hardly enough, Mr. Holmes. The old man cried in a high screaming voice with extraordinary Whoa. malignancy upon his face. <laughs> he got between us and the door as he spoke, and he shook his two hands at us with furious passion. You can hardly get out of it so easily as that. His face was convulsed. And he grinned and gibbered at us in his senseless rage. I am convinced that we should have had to fight our way out of the room if Mr. Bennett had not intervened. I really want to point out to the <laughs> listeners that there's a picture here of, of like, there was pro I'm assuming the professor just standing with, like, his arms over his head in, like, classic I R I'm a monster arg pose. <laughs> like. Yeah, he's like, he's making himself big to scare him off. Oh. <laughs> 
My dear professor, he cried, consider your position. Consider the scandal at the university. Mr. You can't Holmes, go raw at people. Mr. Holmes is a well-known man. You cannot possibly Stop treat roaring. him with such discourtesy. <laughs> Sulkily, our host, if I may call him so, cleared the path to the door. We were glad to find ourselves outside the house and in the quiet of the tree-lined drive. Holmes seemed greatly amused by the episode. <laughs> oh, sick. That shit he was killed us. You see him? He went <laughs> raw. He's about to fucking slap my face apart. You see this? Our learned friend's nerves are somewhat out of order, said he. Perhaps our intrusion was a little crude, and yet we have gained that personal contact which I desired. But, dear me, Watson, he is surely at our heels. The villain still pursues us. There were the sounds of running feet behind, but it was, to my relief, not the formidable professor, but his assistant, who appeared round the curve of the drive. He came panting up to us. I am so sorry, Mr. Holmes. I wished to apologize. My dear sir, there is no need. It is all in the way of professional experience. Why is Sherlock Holmes trying to seduce this young man? No, he's stoned out of his mind and an idiot. That is the voice I'm going for. Oh, okay. Because it sounds like he wants to fuck. I mean, I feel like that kind of goes along with that vibe. Yeah. Uh, I have never seen him in a more dangerous mood, but he grows more sinister. You can understand now why his daughter and I are alarmed, and yet his mind is perfectly clear. Too clear, said Holmes. That was my miscalculation. It is evident We have to get him high. His memory is much more reliable than I had thought. By the way, can we, uh, before we go, see the window of Miss Presbury's room? quite the request. I want to see if she left any panties out. Yeah, really. No. Uh, Mr. Bennett pushed his way through some shrubs and we had a view of the side of the house. Fantastic. It, it is there, the second on the left. Dear me, it seems hardly accessible, and yet you will observe that there is a creeper below and a water pipe above, which gives some <laughs> Oh, he's holds. playing Minecraft. <laughs> wow, delightful. I could not climb it myself, said Mr. Bennett. Very likely. It would certainly be a dangerous exploit for any normal man. There was one other thing I wish to tell you, Mr. Holmes. I have the address of the man in London to whom the professor writes. He seems to have written this morning, and I got it from his blotting paper. It is an ignoble position for a trusted secretary, but what else can I do? Yeah, yeah, what else could you possibly do when, I don't know, this guy's just kind of an asshole and his dog bites him sometimes? Like, ooh, it's <laughs> such a mystery to, like, forsake your, your solemn oaths or whatever. Yeah, it kind of just seems like he's just a dickhead, uh, yeah. as far as I can tell. <laughs> Basically. We've cracked the case, Watson. Yeah. He's a dickhead. <laughs> he's a piece of shit. Uh, Holmes glanced at the paper and put it into his pocket. Dorak, a curious name. Slavonic, I imagine. Well, it is an important link in the chain. We've returned to London this afternoon, Mr. Bennett. I see no good purpose to be served by our remaining. We cannot arrest the professor because he has done no crime. Nor can we place him under constraint, for he cannot be proved to be mad. No action is as yet possible. Then what on earth are we to do? A little patience, Mr. Bennett. Life finds a way. Things will soon develop. Unless I am mistaken, next Tuesday may mark a crisis. Certainly, we shall be in Camford on that day. Meanwhile, the general position is undeniably unpleasant. And if Miss Presbury can prolong her visit, that is easy. Then let her stay till we can assure her that all danger is past. 
Meanwhile, let him have his way and do not cross him. So long as he is in a good humor, all is well. There he is, said Bennett in a startled whisper. Looking between the branches. Oh, right. We're still huddled in a shrub together. <laughs> yeah. We saw the tall, erect figure emerge from the hall door and look around him. He stood, leaning forward, his hands swinging straight before him, like in Thriller, uh, his head turning from side to side. <laughs> the secretary... My God, he's doing the mash! Yeah. The secretary with a last wave slipped off among the trees, and we saw him presently rejoin his employer, the two entering the house together in what seemed to be animated and even excited conversation. I expect the old gentleman has been putting two and two together, said Holmes, as we walked hotelward. He struck me as having a particularly clear and logical brain from the little I saw of him. Explosive, no doubt, but then from his point of view, he has something to explode about if detectives are put on his track and he suspects his own household of doing it. I rather fancy that friend Bennett is in for an uncomfortable time. <laughs> Holmes stopped at a post office and sent off a telegram on our way. The answer reached us in the evening and he tossed it across to me. Have visited the commercial road and seen Dorak. Suave person, bohemian, elderly. Keeps large general store messer. <laughs> just, just the facts. That's telegram voice. <laughs> Mercer is since your time, said Holmes. He is my general utility man and looks up routine business. What the fuck is he saying half the time? I like really said, <laughs> I... like, what is happening? Oh. It was important to know something of the man with whom our professor was so secretly corresponding. His nationality connects up with the Prague visit. Oh no! Uh, oh, I found boy. a random man from Prague. I've I've done it. I have. He's got kind of a Slavic name. It must be a connection. Oof! Thank goodness that something connects with something," said I. At present, we seem to be faced by a long series of inexplicable incidents with no bearing upon each other. It's almost like we shouldn't even be bothering because there is no case. For example, <laughs> what possible yeah. connection can there be between an angry wolfhound and a visit to Bohemia, or either of them with a man crawling down a passage at night? As to your dates, that is the biggest mystification of all. Holmes smiled and rubbed his hands. We were, I may say, seated in the old sitting room of the ancient hotel with a bottle of the famous vintage of which Holmes had spoken on the table between us. Well now, let us take the dates first, said he, his fingertips together and his manner as if he were addressing a class. This excellent young man's diary shows that there was trouble upon July 2D, and from then onward it <laughs> seems to have been at nine-day intervals, with, so far as I remember, only one exception. Thus, the last outbreak upon Friday was on September 3D, which also falls into the series. As September, in August... now in 3D. <laughs> as in August 26th, which preceded it. The thing is beyond coincidence. I was forced to agree. Let us then form the provisional theory that every nine days, the professor takes some strong drug, which has a passing but highly poisonous effect. His naturally violent nature is intensified by it. He learned to take this drug while he was in Prague, and is now supplied with it by a bohemian intermediary in London. This all hangs together, Watson, and now we gotta get some, too. But the- <laughs> I'm gonna go get fucking zooted, my man. Let's go. <laughs> but the dog, the face at the window, the creeping man in the passage. Well, what we- You know we, the case, Holmes? You know the yeah. case we were doing? Focus. We've, we've made a beginning. I should not expect any fresh developments until next Tuesday. In the meantime, we 
can only keep in touch with friend Bennett and enjoy the amenities of this charming town. In the morning, Mr. Bennett slipped around to bring us the latest report. As Holmes had imagined, times had not been easy with him. Without exactly accusing him of being responsible for our presence, the professor had been very rough and rude in his speech, and evidently felt some strong grievance. This morning, he was quite himself again, however, and had delivered his usual brilliant lecture to a crowded class. Apart from his queer fits, said Bennett, he was actually more energy and vitality than I can ever remember, nor was his brain ever clearer. But it's not he, it's never the man whom we have known. I don't think you have anything to fear now for a week at least, Holmes answered. I'm a busy man, and Dr. Watson has his patients to attend to. Let us agree that we meet here at this hour next Tuesday, and I should be surprised if before we leave you again we are not able to explain, even if we cannot perhaps put an end to your troubles. Meanwhile, keep us posted on what occurs. I saw nothing of my friend for the next few days, but on the following Monday evening I had a short note asking me to meet him next day at the train. Just the train. Pick a train. The train. From what he told me as we traveled up to Camford, all was well. The peace of the professor's house had been unruffled, and his own conduct perfectly normal. This also was the report which was given us by Mr. Bennett himself when he called upon us that evening at our old quarters in the Checkers. He heard from his London correspondent today. There was a letter and there was a small packet, each with the cross under the stamp which warned me not to touch them. There has been nothing else. That may prove quite enough, said Holmes grimly. Now, Mr. Bennett, we shall, I think, come to some conclusion tonight. If my deductions are correct, we should have an opportunity of bringing matters to a head. In order to do so, it is necessary for me to be totally blazed and to hold the professor <laughs> under observation. <laughs> I would Crucial. suggest, therefore, that you remain awake. I gotta hit up some of that fucking premium Zaza first <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> and on the lookout. Should you hear him pass your door, do not interrupt him, but follow him as discreetly as you can, because I will be too blitzed to do so. Dr. <laughs> Watson and I will not be far off. By the way, there's a key to that little box of which you spoke. I want those drugs in there. Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> He's got the stinkiest in, in there. Uh, upon his watch chain. I fancy our researches must lie in that direction. At the worst, the lock should not be very formidable. Have you any other able-bodied man on the premises? Uh, he flex for me? There's the coachman. How's he look without a shirt on? <laughs> there's the coachman. He look good? McPhail. <laughs> uh, where, does he, where does he sleep? Over the stables? I'm going there right now. <laughs> <laughs> we might possibly want him. Well, we can do no more until we see how things develop. Goodbye, but I expect we shall see you before morning. Wink. It was nearly midnight before we took our station among some bushes. Once again, we're just hiding in the bushes. <laughs> we're just you back know. in there. Back in it. Immediately opposite the hall door of the professor. It was a fine night, but chilly, and we were glad of our warm overcoats. There was a breeze, and clouds were scudding across the sky, obscuring from time to time the half moon. It would have been a dismal vigil were it not for the expectation and excitement which carried us along and the really sick weed. And the assurance of my comrade that we had probably reached the end of the strange sequence of events which had engaged our attention. Because Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was frankly sick of writing this at this point and was determined to make <laughs> it end. I, I, this whole paragraph, like, the story's almost over, don't worry. <laughs> Hang in there, kid. <laughs> if a cycle of nine days holds good, then we shall have the professor at his worst tonight, said Holmes. 
The fact that these strange symptoms began after his visit to Prague, that he is in secret correspondence with a bohemian dealer in London who presumably represents someone in Prague, and that he received a packet from him this very day all point in one direction. What he takes and why he takes it are still beyond our ken, but that it emanates in some way from Prague is clear enough. Because the package is from fucking Prague, probably. He takes it under definite directions. I know that. He takes it under definite directions which regulate this ninth day system, which was the first point which attracted my attention. But his symptoms are most remarkable. Did you observe his knuckles? I had to confess that I you had not. Did you get Thick and horny in a way which is quite <laughs> Hell new yeah. yeah. Hell yeah, Hell Mr. Yeah. Holmes. Trust me, it's new the first time, but then after that, it's all you want. Always look at the hands first, Watson. Then cuffs, trouser knees, and boots. All very thick and horny, let me tell uh, you. <laughs> I'm, I'm thick and horny about all of it, Watson. <laughs> very curious knuckles, which can only be explained by the mode of progression observed by... Holmes paused and suddenly clapped his hand to his forehead. Oh, Watson, Watson, what a fool I've been. I'm a fucking idiot. It seems incredible. I'm stupid as shit, Watson. And yet it must be true. All points in one direction. How could I miss seeing a connection of ideas, man? Those knuckles, how could I pass those knuckles and the dog and the ivy? It's surely time that I disappeared into that little farm of my dreams. Jesus. What the fuck? I'm gonna Even die Sherlock now, Holmes, Watson, I gotta die. Sherlock Holmes within the story is like, please, I just, I, I, I want it to be over. Can I go, please? I want to be dead. I want to die. Please, I want to go to the farm. I don't want to be around out, anymore. I want to go to that farm. Look out, Watson. Here he is. We shall have the chance of seeing for ourselves. I just want to say that I fucking nailed that this guy is just like a weird stoner in this story. <laughs> The hall door had slowly opened, and against the lamp-lit background, we saw the tall figure of Professor Presbury. He was clad in his dressing gown. As he stood outlined in the doorway, he was erect, but leaning forward with dangling <laughs> arms, as when we saw him last. He's, he heard what you said about him being thick and all. <laughs> He's ready. Now he stepped forward into the drive, and an extraordinary change came over him. He sank down into a crouching position and moved along upon his hands and feet, skipping every now and then as if he were overflowing with energy and vitality. He moved along the face of the house and then round the corner. As he disappeared, Bennett slipped through the hall door and softly followed him. Come, Watson, come, cried Holmes. And we stole as softly as we could through the bushes until we had gained a spot whence we could see the other side of the house, which was bathed in the light of the half moon. The professor was clearly visible, crouching at the foot of the ivy-covered wall. As we watched him, he suddenly began with incredible agility to ascend it. From branch to branch, he sprang, sure of foot and firm of grasp, climbing apparently in mere joy at his own powers, with no definite object in view. With his dressing gown flapping on each side of him. <laughs> wait, is he, wait, is he like buck-ass naked under that dressing oh, gown? Oh, yeah, you bet. know. He looked like some huge <laughs> bat glued against the side of his own house, a great square dark patch upon the moonlit wall. Presently, he tired of this amusement, and dropping from branch to branch, he squatted down into the old attitude and moved towards the stables, creeping along in the same strange way as before. The wolfhound was out now, barking furiously, and more excited than ever when it actually caught sight of its master. It was straining on its chain and quivering with eagerness and rage. The professor squatted down very deliberately, just out of reach of the hound, and began to provoke it in every way possible. Every possible way. Fuck. 
Did this guy just like take some arthritis medication? Now he's just hopping around happily, going like, "Yeah, I can move again," and everyone's flipping the fuck no, out. No, he clearly <laughs> wants. Joints. No, he clearly is dating a younger woman and probably wanted like vigor, vitality potion or whatever. And then what he got actually <laughs> turned him into like a raging asshole. <laughs> he got That's those my guess. pills. That's my guess. Yeah, bad. Was bad there too much Infowars and decided to go for the brain supplements? <laughs> yes, correct. All right, but I I read two words out of order, so it is uh, someone else's turn. Oh, Take some, Ken. The professor squatted down very deliberately just out of reach of the hound and began to provoke it in every possible way. He took handfuls of wow. pebbles from the drive and threw them in the dog's face, prodded him with a stick which he had picked up, flicked his hands about only a few inches from the gaping mouth, and endeavored in every way to increase the animal's fury, which was already beyond all control. In all our adventures, I do not know that I have ever seen a more strange sight than this impassive and still dignified figure, crouching frog-like upon the ground and goading to a wilder exhibition of passion, the maddened hound, which ramped and raged in front of him by all manner of ingenious and calculated cruelty. <laughs> Stop fucking hopping around! I hate it! I'm trying to sleep out here. Fuck it off! And then in a moment, Rich. it happened! It was not the chain that broke, but it was the collar that slipped, for it had been made for a thick-necked Newfoundland. We heard the rattle of falling metal, and the next instant dog and man were rolling on the ground together, the one roaring in rage, the other screaming in a strange, shrill falsetto of terror. Okay. It was a very narrow thing for the professor's life. The savage creature had him fairly by the throat, its fangs had bitten deep, and he was senseless before we could reach them and drag the two apart. It might have been a dangerous task for us, but Bennett's voice and presence brought the great wolfhound instantly to reason. The uproar had brought the sleepy and astonished coachman from his room above the stables. I'm not surprised, said he, shaking his head. I've seen him at it before. I knew the dog would get him sooner or later. <laughs> the peak, like, coachman, like, yeah, I figured the dog would kill him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> anyway, yeah, whatever. Going back inside. Also, like, yeah, I've seen him do it before. I didn't tell anyone. Were you guys, like, looking into this? Him. Anyway. Wait, I... what? Wait, no, is this, like, bad? <laughs> anyway. Oh, I'm going back inside. I'm sleepy. The hound was secured, and together we carried the professor up to his room where Bennett, who had a medical degree, helped me to dress his torn throat. Okay. If Bennett has a medical degree, why is he working as a secretary? Yeah, that's a great fucking question. They weren't w worth much back then. You can get them all the time. That, that's like getting a, you know, a Walk down to the corner store and get a medical degree? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. think so. Yeah, I think if you could point at a man and go, that's the leg, they just kind of <laughs> gave you <laughs> The sharp teeth had passed dangerously near the car... car, car, car Carotted. Carotted <laughs> artery. Carot. Well, right. I guess it's... Is it D or is it Chris? No, it's me. It's I. It's Chris. The sharp teeth had passed dangerously near the carotid artery, and the hemorrhage was serious. In half an hour, the danger was past. I had given the patient an injection of morphia so he could morph in time and get the <laughs> fuck out of here. <laughs> and he had sunk into deep sleep. Then, and only then, were we able to look at each other and to take stock of the situation. I think a first-class surgeon should see him, said I, brilliantly and smartly. Yes. For God's sake, no, cried Bennett. At present, the scandal is confined to our own household. <laughs> ah, yes, Victorian logic. Let people <laughs> die so no one can know what happened. It is safe with us. 
If it gets beyond these walls, it will never stop. People will just keep saying he was climbing around on all fours. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's going to What's happen, the dude? problem? Uh, just say the dog attacked him. Like, no one would question that. I don't know why this is an issue. Consider his position at the university. His uh. European reputation. Uh. The feelings of his daughter. Those uh. Europeans never clamber around on all What the f- Quite so, said Holmes. I think it may be quite possible to keep the matter to ourselves and also to prevent its recurrence now that we have a free hand. The key from the watch chain, Mr. Bennett. MacPhail will guard the patient and let us know if there is any change. Let us see what we can find in the professor's mysterious box. There was not much, but there was enough. An empty file, another nearly full, a hypodermic syringe, several letters in a crabbed foreign hand. The marks on the envelopes showed that they were those which had disturbed the routine of the secretary, and each was dated from the commercial road and signed A. Dorak. They were mere invoices to say that a fresh bottle was being sent to Professor Presbury, or received to acknowledge money. There was one other envelope, however, in a more educated hand and bearing uh... the Austrian stamp with the postmark of Prague. Here we have our material, cried Holmes, as he tore up the enclosure. <laughs> he just rips the box apart. Like, <laughs> giving no fucks. Okay. Honored colleague, it ran. Since your esteemed visit, I have thought much of your case, and though in your circumstances there are some special reasons for the treatment, I would nonetheless enjoin caution, as my results have shown that it is not without danger of a kind. It is possible that the serum of anthropoid would have been better. I have, as I explained to you, used black-laced languor because a specimen was accessible. Langer is, of course, a crawler and climber, which Anthropoid walks erect and is in all ways nearer. I beg you to take every possible precaution that there be no premature revelation of the process. I have one other client in England, and Dorak is my agent for both. Weekly reports will oblige. Yours with high esteem, H. Lowenstein. Lowenstein! The name brought back to me the memory of some snippet from a newspaper which spoke of an obscure scientist who was striving in some unknown way for the secret of rejuvenescence and the elixir of life. Lowenstein of Prague! Lowenstein, with the wondrous strength-giving serum, tabooed by the profession because he refused to reveal its source. In a few words I said what I remembered. Bennett had taken a manual of zoology from the shelves. Langer, he read, the great black-faced monkey of the Himalayan slopes, biggest and most human of climbing monkeys. Many details are added. Well, thanks to you, Mr. Holmes, it is very clear that we have traced the evil to its source. I love how he was like, I don't want to fucking write the story anymore. Uh, many details are added. <laughs> I'm and done. I'm done. Cut <laughs> print. The real source, said Holmes, lies, of course, in that untimely love affair which gave our impetuous professor the idea that he could only gain his wish by turning himself into a younger man. Ooh, who was right? Trying to get lady. that adrenochrome. <laughs> yeah. When one tries to rise above nature, like nine babies, <laughs> one is liable to fall below it. The highest type of man may revert to the animal if he leaves the straight road of destiny. What the fuck does that even... Oh, I hate this. He sat musing for a little with the file in his hand, looking at the clear liquid within. 
when I have written to this man and told him that I hold him criminally responsible for the poisons which he circulates, we will have no more trouble. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he'll give a shit about <laughs> you writing him a letter saying, you're criminally responsible. But it may recur. Others may find a better way. There is danger there. A very real danger to humanity. Consider, Watson, that the material, the sensual, the worldly would all prolong their worthless lives. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> the spiritual would not avoid the call to something higher. It would be the survival of the least fit. Oh, God. <laughs> what sort of cesspool may not our poor world become? Oof. Suddenly, the dreamer disappeared, and Holmes, the man of action, sprang from his chair. I think there is nothing more to be said, Mr. Bennett. The various incidents will now fit themselves easily into the general scheme. The dog, of course, was aware of the change far more quickly than you. His smell would ensure that. It was the monkey, not the professor, whom Roy attacked. Just as it was the monkey who teased Roy. Climbing was a joy to the creature, and it was a mere chance, I take it, that the pastime brought him to the young lady's window. There is an early train to town, Watson, but I think we shall just have time for a cup of tea at the checkers before we catch it. Oh, God. The fucking end. <laughs> took okay. the monkey juice. It was the monkey juice all along. So, he, so he, he got Zaza on monkey drugs <laughs> to get a boner so hard. That he climbed up his own house. <laughs> and everyone was like, call the cops. <laughs> call the cops. This man is taking fucking monkey ketamine. <laughs> let's, also, let's also think about the fact that Holmes is like, this is going to ruin the entire world. No, everyone's gonna have gonna have these. We can't super let long these lives. boner. We can't let this these monkey juice boner pills get out of here. But he's like, you know, oh my he's God. like, oh, uh, yeah, everyone's this, gonna this be literally, hard. this is literally Infowarmus <laughs> brain supplements. <laughs> but no, no, he's like, he's like, this is such a problem. I'm gonna write a single letter to the perpetrator, and that's all I'm gonna do about it. And then we're just gonna go have tea. See you later. Bye, bye, <laughs> bye. Another case solved. <laughs> what a terrible cannot, fucking story I, so this story it's amazing it's amazing oh. it spends all of this time and, the, and then the answer is he took monkey drugs because his boner didn't work I well I just don't understand I mean well I guess we never really get concrete proof it seems like he actually seems like I was maybe a little off it seems like he was actually just looking to either become younger or live longer uh, but I just uh, he took monkey boner pills. Yeah, it was it was yeah. specifically for the love. But also, like, did people really? I guess yeah, it was what nineteen twenty three. I guess people were still fucking grinding up mummies. So yeah, yeah, that sounds like a stupid thing people would believe. Yeah, we drank the juice of the monkey. Like yeah, it made me a monkey. It turned me into yeah, a monkey. Tra- I, I I hit that monkey juice so fucking hard uh, that I decided to try to kill my daughter. Yeah, this is considered one of the worst Sherlock Holmes stories to the point it's, that which when, is crazy to me. Uh, Nicholas Meyer in 1974 wrote a Sherlock Holmes novel called The Seven Percent Solution. Uh, the Adventure of the Creeping Man was one of the ones he claimed was a forgery. <laughs> I... No, this is too stupid. <laughs> really? the The novel opens <sighs> with with Watson saying, "Yeah, I think." I think these four were made the fuck up. Anyway, here's a real story. Uh, Spoiler alert, the 7% solution isn't any better. 
Oh god, yeah, that was that was real bad. I mean, I just, I also just don't understand why. Yeah, why any of it, right? It's like, why would they be like, we? Because need Doyle's publisher case. needs to get paid, is why. He needs fairy money. Gotta this man <laughs> so needs his fairy, fairy investigations money. are expensive. He's gonna take those little girls out to tea, right, and be like, "You're my oh, not even. They didn't get any money. <laughs> they didn't get shit. They got to borrow some photography equipment. Oh, that's all I they fucking my... got out of it. Uh, that's too bad. All right. Well, now we've learned that if your grandpa's just climbing the walls and going raw at you, he's probably just on some monkey juice boner juice things. It's it, just some just... monkey boner pills, and it's fine. Probably you don't fine. have to call the cops about it. <laughs> just let him do his thing. It's well, he's... fine. Well, he's probably watching Infowars, which you probably should intervene with. But... Yeah. <laughs> probably intervene with that. Yes. All right. Well, that was certainly a trip. Thanks for uh, having us I, here. I'm glad to have uh, infected you guys with this cognito hazard. Great. I mean, that awesome. wasn't even... that. There was nothing redeeming about that. Not. I think that the solution is the redemption. <laughs> Next up, the adventure of the Sussex Vampire! I love the... Dis- <laughs> I love the resolution so much. I don't know, man. So much. I feel like we have done problems. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like maybe we have done problems. I feel like that's true. <sighs> well, uh, make sure you all uh, don't done done have problems. Dark past. Um, yeah, stay away from the monkey don't, juice. Don't have done problems. Stay yeah, away. Don't, don't drink don't monkey juice wars. for your boner. Don't don't drink monkey juice. Stay away. And listen to terrible book club. And listen to Terrible Book Club. Yeah, and listen to Antiques Freaks. I don't know. I forget where this is going to be and when, so... It'll be on the internet somewhere for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you'll find it. It'll find you. It'll be looking in your second story window. (laughs) High on monkey drugs. (laughs) (laughs) That's where you'll find Terrible Book Club. Outside your window at night on the second floor. Outside your window where it shouldn't be high as fuck on monkey (laughs) drugs. Help, let us in. We locked ourselves out. We took too many monkey drugs. <laughs> Please let us in. I'm in an M hole. Help me. <laughs> Beat a detective to death. <laughs> All right. Goodbye. Oh, Good night. Goodbye. If you enjoyed the audio engineering, sound design, and music used in this episode, and would like to use it in your own projects, you should email chris.rasmusiewicz at gmail.com. That's C-H-R-I-S dot R-A-M-U-S-I-E-W-I-C-Z at gmail.com. Or visit oselkaaudio.com. That's O-S-E-L-K-A audio.com. If you would like to suggest episode topics or just say hello, you can email us directly, antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. You can post in our Facebook group, Antiques Freaks Friends, or you can tag us on Tumblr, antiquesfreaks.tumblr.com. If you would like to listen to deleted scenes or listen to our special bonus episode presentation of the Victorian Penny Dreadful Varney the Vampire, you can hit up our Patreon at patreon.com slash antiquesfreaks. Special shout out to our patrons for paying our hosting fees and filling our hearts with love. And thank you in particular for listening. Au revoir!